the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Difference Makers. Welcome. My name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860, The Answer, KPAM, La Patrona 1640, 93.1 El Rey, and 104.1 The Fish. And I'd love to talk with you about getting more people back to your church, sharing about your ministry through our free online church directory and our church service live stream directory, expanding your ministry or business beyond your own walls, becoming known as an authority in your field, and getting more known on the radio, building awareness of your company or outreach by hosting our events at your location at no risk to you, how to market your brand directly through the online tools of Salem Surround, and most importantly, if your ministry leader or pastor could use a phone call, a word of encouragement, a cup of coffee, or connection to others, please email me at mikelee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. And what I'd like you to do right now is mark off some dates on your calendar, and they would be October 8th and 9th because it's the latest Fall Apologetics Conference Tethered to the Truth, sponsored by our friends at the Ambassadors Forum. So welcome, host of the Ambassadors Forum, Roy Swart. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Mike. Always a pleasure to have you here. And it's been too long. It's so easy to do things remotely, especially with all that's (laughs) gone on with the pandemic. I have a special place in my heart for just meeting with people face-to-face. So thanks for driving across town for today's interview. (laughs) Absolutely. And if Roy's voice sounds familiar, it's because he hosts a radio program, and it's every Saturday morning at 9.30 for an apologetic talk on True Talk 800 AM, also simulcast on our FM translator at 106.3 in Vancouver and East Portland. It's the Ambassadors Forum Radio Show. You'll hear an Ambassadors Forum representative talk about defending your faith and making God known as he is. You can also listen online at truetalk800.com, and I'll post all of the pertinent links on the Difference Makers page right there. So, Roy, it's been a little while now, so how have you enjoyed being a radio host? (laughs) I had no idea what I was getting into, Mike. I think it was about a year and a half we were sitting in in this studio and you said, hey, we were doing a commercial for our conference that year. And afterwards, you came up to me and you said, Roy, you've got a message that needs to be heard. It needs to be heard by our culture. It sure needs to be heard by our kids. What do you think about doing a radio show? And I was uh, naive enough to say, yeah, <laughs> why not? I'll jump in. It has been such a pleasure, Mike, to learn about myself and learn about, you know, a new format in the form of a radio program. And probably the most encouraging thing has been hearing from people, the listeners, who have found us on the radio or been referred to by their friends and have people walk up to me and say, oh my goodness, I've heard you on the radio. I love your show. I can't wait to hear about this and that. It's been... uh I had no idea it would be such an encouragement um, to be on this side of it. It's such a welcome addition to our lineup at True Talk 800. So thank you, Roy, for the Ambassador's Forum and all of the wonderful stories that you've been sharing on a week-to-week <laughs> basis. Sure. Yeah, it's I, I, I plan a little bit for the radio show, but then I try and just let it be kind of a natural thing, what's on my heart that week or what the person that I'm interviewing, what their passion or expertise is. And so it's it's kind of funny. I was actually doing my own editing for a long time. And so I would record the show 
And then for those of you who have done any kind of thing in radio, it takes a long time to edit the show. And so I was actually listening to my own show two or three or four times, and it really just made me think about the message that I was giving, and there is so much truth, especially in the in the form of apologetics in the Christian faith. There is so much truth that you you do need to digest over and over and over again. You need to hear it, you need to think about it, you need to challenge it. And so I was actually benefiting from listening to my own show that I created <laughs> just by digesting that material over and over again. And I realized, boy, this is this is really a deep, rich topic and um, it, 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 it benefits uh, a lot of people and uh, gives a lot of people a lot of uh, truth and, and learning and really hope for the challenges that they're facing because they feel equipped with you know, what the Bible has to say on a lot of different topics. So, Roy, do you think that we, meaning the mainstream American church, have been failing our kids when it comes to giving them a strong enough foundation that – they can stand alone on their faith without having to have fear about what the world thinks. So I'm glad you asked me that, Mike. I, I'm always very careful in passing judgment on other people because I know that I've made plenty of mistakes as a dad and as a husband and as a ministry leader. And so do I think the church has, has failed in this area? I have an opinion, but let me share a few facts with you. And that is 60 to 70 percent of kids in the church. And these are good kids. They come from strong churches. They're active in their youth group, come from healthy families. 60 to 70 percent of the kids in the church are walking away from their faith in high school and college. And, and there's so many studies. One of the people that have done a great job compiling all of these studies from the Barna Group and the Pew Center and lots of different survey organizations. You can compile all of these studies. Some of the data is a little bit different, but overall they agree two-thirds of the kids are walking away from their faith. I look at that and I say we we have to be failing. Something has gone very wrong in the church if two-thirds of the kids in good churches are walking away from their faith in high school and college. You, you dig into it a little bit deeper and you find 90%, you know, again, all of the, we have um, links on our website, theambassadorsforum.com, um, to some of these studies. 90% of the kids in the church don't have a biblical worldview. They don't understand what the Bible says about the big questions, the big topics in life. Who am I? Where did I come from? Why does the world seem broken? How does it get fixed? 90% of the kids don't have a way to look at the world that is founded on the Bible. And then the, the third statistic I'll share today is perhaps the most discouraging, and that is up to 90% of the pastors think that this isn't a problem in their church. And so they say, you know what, those other people, they might not be doing it right, but, but we're doing a great job. And then you get in, you, you talk to the families, the, the parents, the grandparents in those churches, and you say, what's going on? And, they, and it's, it's been a little bit discouraging, Mike, to hear all of the stories from concerned aunts and uncles, friends, parents, grandparents, and say, yeah, two, two of our kids walked away from the faith. Our grandson, who was really zealous for the Lord, ended up just completely walking away, won't have anything to do with God. And so the, 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 the downside is I do think it's a reality. I think something has gone wrong. The hope, the hope is, the good news is, I think it can be corrected. I think there's a lot that we can do to fix the problem, but we're in, we're in a tough spot as the American church for sure. So, Roy, do you think this has been a gradual slippage of youth coming out of even solid churches, or has it been like this for a while? Do you think it was any bit of a tipping point in history? Is there anything that you might relate to these numbers? So, I'm not the expert, <laughs> but I'll, I'll give you a, a little bit of information based on the research that I've done. A lot of it goes back to the information revolution, the internet. 
because all of us so when you and I grew up and we had a question, we'd go ask somebody and they'd say, "Go to the library or read a book or whatever." And there was a, a big activation energy to go get knowledge. It wasn't just at our fingertips three seconds later. We are in a different world today. We are in a world where somebody asks you a question, and kids have questions. You know, God made kids to be curious and inquisitive, so they ask questions. And if they don't feel like they get a good answer, they are three seconds away from a search on the internet or through their phone or social media, and they can get a thousand other opinions right at their fingertips. So I think what we've we may have gotten a little bit complacent and saying, hey, we might not have the best answers, but they're good enough. Well, good enough is not good enough anymore. We need to have solid, really well thought out answers for our kids' questions that are rooted in the Bible. And so I, if there's one thing I would point to, it's the fact that there's so much information available to kids today. If they don't get a good answer, they're three seconds away from a whole bunch of other different opinions. So do you think that the average youth is concerned about the quality of the answer that they're getting? <laughs> or it's just, oh, that must be it. What is that confirmation bias? You flip through enough stores until one of them agrees with what you already thought. <laughs> that must be the true one, right? So I'll give you my, the perspective. So I have seven kids. Lots of them are teenagers. Um, so I, I live this every single day. And what I've found is even kids who have been taught Bible stories and gone to church and active in their youth group, what they do is they look at the phone and they, they, they scroll through a few things. And if something is well packaged, it's very attractive. And so they might say, you know what? And, and I've gone through hundreds of memes with my kids and they'll show they'll they'll text it to me or they'll show me around the dinner table or whatever and they'll say dad i know there's something wrong with this but i can't quite see what it is and i'll look at it and it's beautiful and it's well laid out and it's very attractive format and then i'll think about it and i'll say aha <laughs> there is a worldview here there is some kind of message that they're giving that is actually contrary to the Bible, but it's been very well disguised, and it's hidden, and it's underneath, and you have to think about it and dig, but here it is. And once I show them, they're like, oh my goodness, it pops off the page, and they're like, I can't believe I missed that. And so I, I do think with clever marketing and and design and engaging images, you can you can shroud uh, the deceptive anti-God worldview underneath. And a lot of kids just aren't trained to, to look for those things and recognize it and feel uncomfortable. They're like, like I said, even a lot of adults, they'll look at something and a lot of times they'll say, I know something's wrong, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Enter the Ambassadors Forum and your event coming up. And you've held these annually. They used to be in person. Yes. However, this year is going to be online exclusively. Is, is that correct? Correct. We, we, we had them, you know, before COVID and the, the world turning upside down, it was 100% in person. Last year, we did a kind of a hybrid of some in person and some online. This year, it was just so crazy. We had to plan ahead and we decided a few months ago, it's just going to be all online. So this will be 100% virtual, but it's 100% free. So anybody can can come. We've actually had registrations from across the country. Even inter- a lot of people internationally are seeing what we're doing and saying, hey, the fact that it's all virtual is good for me because now I can participate 100%. I know what a learning curve I personally had to go through teaching a class <laughs> as an adjunct at Corbin when the university was shut down more than half of the weeks of class, so I had to do it by Zoom. Yeah. And I don't know about you, Roy, but for me personally, when I say something that I think is amusing or witty and I hear nothing <laughs> coming back, it's really disconcerting. Yeah. And there was, oh, wait, they're all on mute like I told them to be. So, never mind. Maybe it's not me. Maybe the Wi-Fi is not down. Yes. Maybe it's just adjusting to this world. So yeah. if you had to pick, you're, you present so very, very well in person at the conferences Thank I've been you. able to attend. Thank you. Have you picked up any tricks of the trade or have you adjusted or actually preferred anything 
in an online form versus in front of people? That's a great question. So um, I am a very, you know, in-person person. I, 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 like today, I drove over across town to be with you in the studio because to me, it's so much more engaging than over Zoom or through the computer. So do I prefer anything about the online no. <laughs> the, 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 the simple answer is no. The fact that a lot of people can receive the content, that's a good thing. But as a presenter, I am way more engaged when there's people there. As far as a tip or a trick that we do is we actually put a few people in the room while we're presenting. So you at least have some human feedback. Like you said, you tell something funny, you're expecting at least some a smile. And if you have nothing... It, it can be difficult as a speaker to overcome that. But if you have one or two people in there and one of them cracks a smile or one of them makes eye contact, that kind of lets you know that you're on the right track. So that's one of the things that we do. It's not an unusual statement that you've made, Roy. I've met plenty of people who are so good at presenting in person that when they're in front of the microphone with no one else in the building, <laughs> it messes with their yes, energy level. Exactly. So sometimes they'll ask someone to just sit in the corner. Exactly. So yep. they can have a face to look at. Yep, we do that all the time. <laughs> the Fall Apologetics Conference 2021 from the Ambassadors Forum is tethered to the truth, featuring Dr. Sean McDowell. Neil Shenvey, Elizabeth Urbanowicz, and Roy Swart. And that'll be October 8th and 9th. Register for this online conference now completely free at the website, theambassadorsforum.com. That's theambassadorsforum.com. More with Roy Swart next on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. I'm Mike Lee with the host of the Ambassadors Forum radio program heard on True Talk at 100 and 106.3 FM every Saturday morning at 930. It's an apologetics talk and now they're hosting a conference. So Roy, would you like to give us the big picture about the Ambassadors Forum's Fall Apologetics Conference 2021? Yes, Mike. So it starts on October 8th, which is a Friday. It starts at 6 p.m., we have a couple of plenary talks that evening. We end at 8 o'clock, and then we go all day Saturday. We start at 9 a.m., and we go till 5. And there will be several plenaries throughout the day on Saturday, and then also 15 different breakout sessions that you can get very deep and and close to the material with on Saturday. And so there's, you, if you go to the website, theambassadorsforum.com, I think there's six plenary sessions that everybody will do together. And then, like I said, 15 different breakout sessions on a whole host of topics. Science, the reliability of the Bible, Mormonism, um, just a whole, a whole bunch of different topics. And what's what we found really engaging, Mike, is it's great to listen to content, whether it's on a podcast or on the radio or at a big conference, but where people really start to engage with the apologetics material is when they can ask questions and they can have a dialogue with the speaker. And so in our breakout sessions, they're an hour long, we usually do about 30 minutes of presentation by the speaker, and then 30 minutes of open Q&A back and forth, back and forth. And what we found in all of our conferences is people say that's the best part of the conference. I didn't quite understand what was going on, and then I asked a question, and then the speaker was able to engage with me directly. And so, You've got to go to those breakout sessions, ask your questions, engage with the speakers. This is what they do for a living. It's what they're passionate about. It's what they're good at. And so, so many people have really felt equipped by that that kind of live interaction. Roy, I read an article, and if my memory serves correctly, it said that TED Talks have been studied, and the most effective ones are about 17 minutes long. So along those lines... Do you believe that today's generation of youth wants to be more interactive than perhaps we were growing up? Because I've noticed through churches, 
colleges, my own teenagers, that more than once I've heard the statement that I learn more or I worship more effectively when there's music or in person at Bible study rather than at church because we go back and forth and ask questions instead of just sitting there and listening to the head preacher of the day. So what do you think about that? I think you're on to something, Mike. One of the speakers at our conference is Sean McDowell, and he wrote a book called Apologetics for the Next Generation. And what he did is he studied Gen Z and said, again, back to the information revolution, the fact that they grew up, a lot of these kids grew up with a cell phone in the crib, so to speak. He said their brain is just wired differently. They're completely different than any other generation in the history of mankind. So our approach should be different with them. One of the things my daughter did is she read that book and then she gave a breakout talk at last year's conference explaining the concepts in the book. It was the the most attended breakout session we had, even though it was done by a teenager. It was the highest rated breakout session. It got the highest ratings, even though it was done by a teenager. And I think it's because a lot of people, it really connected with a lot of people about how do I engage in today's culture, especially with younger people. And one of the things that I remember in her talk was that kids today love stories. Everybody has always loved stories, but especially now, they want narratives. They want to hear the story of, you know, and, and people's own testimonies right now, it is, it's it's always been powerful, but it's even more powerful today. People want to hear, how did you grow up? How did you come to the decisions that you made? What's going on in your life right now? And so I think kids love stories and that's a great way to engage with them and they want to keep it interactive and a dialogue they don't want to just sit down and get a download of information you and i that might have been the way that we you know were accustomed to learning or or what worked for us now they want that story they want that person person to person interaction and so it, it was interesting my daughter said you know what Here's some facts about Gen Z. And and again, go get the book, Apologetics for the Next Generation by Sean McDowell. Fantastic book. I won't go through all the pieces here. But she said, here's five or six attributes that are undeniable about Gen Z. Now, you can choose to look at those and say, well, those are all negative things. But she said, but you can also look at it as positive. They're, these, these are just attributes. You can look at them and say, what's the positive thing about this? One of the positive things is they, with social justice, they want to live with meaning and purpose. They want their life to count. And so they're dying to, to, to find a mission that they can live into. And so that's, that's, that can be a huge a huge positive thing about their generation and if you can engage them with the story engage them with person to person interaction they just blossom and i think that's one of the one of the reasons in the last 2 years has been so difficult things going online people being isolated people being shut in their homes it has been in my personal experience in my own home in my community it has been devastating to the young people most of all and so they are they i can just feel it they are dying to get out there and engage and live their life with other people with meaning and i think that the church needs to recognize that and we need to get on board and and capitalize on that opportunity we have today so, Roy, I personally believe that church growth is not directly correlated with the number of attendees. I've seen megachurches with extremely lukewarm Christians, and I've seen tiny churches with amazing, on-fire, productive Christians. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But I've also seen it the other way around. Yep. So let's just say uh, I'm your head pastor And I say, all right, Roy, I understand what you're observing, so fix it. What do you propose? (laughs) Well, what I would say is 
I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out. But let me tell you something that we've done that has just been wildly successful. And that is we get a the youth group or the kids in the church or whatever, we get them in a room and we say, what is on your mind? And they say, wow, you, you want to know what I'm thinking about? I want to know what you're thinking about. Okay, and, and we start to engage. What questions do you have about God? Well, is it okay to ask questions in church? Not only is it okay to ask questions in church, and we go through the Bible verses of this, God wants you to think critically about your faith. He wants you to engage your mind. The Bible never calls us to a blind faith. And I think it's one of the lies that has crept into the church, this idea that you just need to accept whatever your pastor says, you just need to accept whatever somebody tells you about Christianity. The best pastors that I've listen to Mike always you know on a regular cadence in their teaching they say you know what this is my best shot at interpreting the bible but you go read the bible yourself you go check out with whether what i am saying is consistent with the rest of the bible and they're humble enough to say i might make a mistake anywhere somewhere but you go look you go look for it yourself be a berean go and study go dig into it yourself when that message lands on a group of young people you just see them come alive and so we'll, we'll we've done so many of these at private school chapels at youth groups at community events where we take the kids and we say what are you thinking about what questions do you have about god and sometimes those events have gone on for hours and hours because once you unleash that permission for kids to ask questions and to get involved and to engage with you, they can't get enough of it. So what I would say to the to the senior pastor, the top pastor, I would say, what are your kids thinking about? And if they said, you know, I'm not sure. Have you asked them? No, I haven't. Okay, well, that's where you start. You start with a conversation with your youth group, with the kids in your church or whatever, Give them permission to ask questions and to engage, and I guarantee you it will blow your mind. You know, Roy, my youngest daughter, Linnea, is always reminding me that correlation does not equal causation. (laughs) That being said, do you think if we, the mainstream American church, were more willing and open to just asking our youth what's on their mind rather than saying, Shut up and obey and be like me and stay out of trouble. Yes. And all your problems go away. Yes. Which is not biblical truth. (laughs) Correct. Do you think if we just open up the floor more that perhaps we would lose fewer than two-thirds of these church-raised kids? A hundred percent. So I may have given this story on the last time that we talked But one of the things my wife and I did, so seven kids, and a lot of them are packed real close together, 10 months apart, 11 months apart. So when we would go out to eat at a restaurant, we were like, you know, aliens from outer space. They're like, oh my goodness. You know, we'd open up the van door, all these tiny little kids, all, you know, close together. We'd pile out, we'd walk into a restaurant. And I don't know if it if it was intentional, it was just what we had to do to survive, but we were very engaging with our kids so we'd sit down at the table and we would talk with them and we'd be patient and we'd listen with them even two and three years old and the number one comment we got from almost invariably every time we went out to eat which wasn't often because seven kids it was a lot to get get out somebody would stop by and they would say can i just tell you something and like oh no you know your kids were misbehaving you know we were always ready for the worst but they were like I was so impressed with your family today. And and it was almost always the same line. You talked to your kids like they were real people. And I thought, because they, (laughs) yeah, duh, of course, they are real people. And they're like, and and so I don't know if we stuck out as an anomaly of like, yeah, most parents just get in. They're like, hey, sit down, shut up, eat your food, you know, don't talk. We would go in there and I'd want to know what the two-year-old was thinking and I'd want to know what the three-year-old was thinking and we'd have a conversation together as a family and that that just ended up kind of becoming the fabric and the culture of our family and all of my kids will look back at that and say, Dad, thank you for setting that tone because that's just that's normal to us. We have conversations. We have interaction. I know you care about what I think 
And so it's it's really worked well for us. And I, I, I wish it, I wish that would be a hallmark of Christian families. I wish it was normal in in Christian in, in the church today that kids felt heard and engaged and and pulled into the conversation. What is the expression, Roy? People don't care what you know until <laughs> they know that you care. Is yep. that it? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and and I I think. Kids today, another one of those attributes that my daughter read in the book and presented on was Gen Z is by nature skeptical. And you could look at that and say, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a negative attribute because, because there's so much misinformation on the internet and it's so easy to get, you know, marketed to and manipulated through the internet that the kids have just learned. They don't even know that they're doing it. They're just very, very skeptical. So they are always looking for, do you really care or are you just trying to get something out of me? So they'll, they'll spot um, insincerity in a second. But that can be turned around and say, because they're so skeptical, they love to research. They love to really dig into a topic and know and understand for themselves. Great insights from Roy Swart, the host of the Ambassadors Forum, heard every Saturday morning at 930 on True Talk 800. And don't forget to register online as soon as possible, even though the Fall Apologetics Conference 2021 is absolutely free of charge. So I don't know how you pulled that off, but (laughs) maybe because it's online only as opposed to being in person. But thank you for putting this out there. And where would you say would be the person observing or attending from the farthest away? We just got somebody who registered from Nairobi. So I, I haven't done the, the calculation of if that's farther than all the other places, but uh, we're getting people from all over the world. So it's pretty cool. Unfortunately, I'm not one of them, but <laughs> I've known some people that I've taken Crown Financial classes with. So my wife and I go, it's like, Lord, how can we get out of boatloads of debt and, and, and stay afloat? But I've actually met devout Christians who said, Lord, you blessed us with so much. How would you want us to steward it? Okay, so let's just say someone listening right now has wanted to make a contribution to something to help out the kingdom of God and would like to help you out with your radio ministry, the Ambassadors Forum, and or this apologetic conference. What's the best way to get in contact with you? Great question. Email us at info at theambassadorsforum.com. That'll go to all the leadership of the ministry and we'll be able to answer the email. We've grown faster than we expected to, Mike, and we kind of feel like we're a little bit underwater. The next thing that we need to get in place is a, a, a nice, easy way for people to give to the ministry because it has been surprising to us. I'll get strangers come up to me and say, I listen to you on the radio. It's my favorite, you know, thing on Saturday morning. And so thank you. I tell all my friends and we love what you're doing and how can we give? And I say, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> so we're trying to fix that. So for now, write us at info at the ambassadorsforum.com and there's somebody who can help you work that. I'm so tickled to hear that. Roy Swart, host of the Ambassadors Forum. And one more time, that email address is info at the ambassadorsforum.com. Whoever turns next on Difference Makers. listening to Difference Makers. My name is Mike Lee, and Saturday morning is at 9.30 on True Talk 800. Roy Swart hosts the Ambassadors Forum. So, Roy, for people who might be newer to the area, can you give us your elevator pitch? What exactly is the Ambassadors Forum radio program? Well, it grew out of our apologetics ministry, and apologetics is basically, in its simplest form, apologetics is equipping Christians to know and defend their faith. And so we started by teaching high school youth groups. We did a couple of conference conferences, and eventually people said, you know what, why don't you get this out on the radio? And conferences are once a year. Maybe we might speak at a couple of chapels per year. And 
we we thought, all right, what if we were on the radio every single week giving out this message? We'd we'd meet, we'd reach a lot more people, and we'd do it at a, a regular enough cadence that people could whet their appetite and say, I want to keep doing this all the time. And so it's been really great over the last year doing the radio show. We've had so much, as I said before the break, a lot of people have been really encouraged and come up to us and said, I listen to it every week. I've forwarded it to all my friends. And so it's been a really neat way to get the message out in a different kind of format that we weren't using before. I'm so grateful, Roy, that you followed through and you were able to launch the Ambassadors Forum here on True Talk 800 and 106.3 FM, our translator. And I think people will get a kick out of being reminded of where you came from in the first place. So an Oregon boy? <laughs> yep, yep. I was born in La Grande, Oregon. So those of you who know Eastern Oregon, uh, it's Northeastern Oregon. And so I, I grew up there, then moved across the state line to Eastern Washington and grew up in a small community um, outside of the Tri-Cities in Eastern Washington. And then... Um, Got saved my senior year in high school, so lived kind of a, a quite a rebellious um, teenage, early teenage years. I got saved, and God led me to go to an engineering school called MIT on the East Coast. And so, um, all my, I had never been east of, I think, Montana. Uh, before I went all the way to Boston for school. And so it was, I was kind of like a deer in the headlights for about a year. <laughs> did I ever tell you I flunked out of engineering? No. <laughs> I did. Well, if you're less familiar with this, let this New York boy tell you that MIT stands for the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. As good to engineering as, say, maybe Juilliard or Berkeley would be for a musician yes. or on the west coast perhaps what it would be in stanford and caltech are usually the the cream ones. of the crop yeah. when it comes to engineering yeah. schools yeah when you say that you got saved in your senior year of high school was that a gradual process was it like a light bulb moment what led you to jesus <laughs> that is a long story mike and i'm not sure um I will try and give you my elevator pitch. I've given people my elevator pitch over coffee. And so if this is friends over coffee, uh, we'll go for it. Um, I don't know exactly how it, it, it pitches on the radio, but um, I was a <clears throat> very troubled teen. Be I, looking back, you know, you kind of look back with hindsight of 2020. Um, I knew that I didn't know God. I, I knew enough about God. I, I went to Catholic church a little bit as a kid. Uh, all, never, didn't like the sermons, didn't like the priest, didn't like anything about it, but learned a little bit about God. And so I, I knew enough about God to know that he was real, but also enough about myself to know that I didn't want him telling me what to do. And so that created a lot of tension, made me a very unhappy person, what do people do when they're, you know, they, they medicate. So I medicated. Even in middle school, I started drinking. In high school, I started doing drugs. And so I ended up in a very, very bad, bad place, doing a lot of things that I'm ashamed of today. But God is merciful, and he's forgiven me. Yes, he is. No matter what we've done, what we've been, what incredibly poor choices we've made, he is faithful, and there's no one who's beyond his redemption. Amen. Amen. So I found myself in that place my senior year of high school. I was with some other friends who were doing all the same really bad things that I was doing. And it's a very long story, but on one night, we basically ended up getting into a really bad situation with some very dark spiritual things and at the end of the night kind of after midnight 2 a.m we we got to the point where we realized we've really made some very bad choices tonight even to the point of where i you know tried to kill myself at the end of this one of my friends said you know what roy we've been playing games for years and we we, we've got to do something. This is so far out of our control. So to make a long story short, we ended up finding a pastor that night. 
we were on his doorstep. We knocked on his door, 2 a.m. He comes to the thing and is like, what in the world are these teenage boys doing on my doorstep in the middle of the night? And we said, hey, Pastor Mel, one of them knew him from a childhood experience. He said, hey, Pastor Mel, we've gotten into some really bad stuff and we can't get out of it. Can you help? And and he invited us into his home. We sat around his um living room table he he gave us all bibles and he started just reading places where jesus delivered people and 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 saved people and at the end of the night i said you know what pastor mel you know i don't know if you can get me out of this but if you can i would do anything and he said roy i can't save you but i know someone who can and I was like, okay, well, let's go to his house, <laughs> you know, get him up, let's in the drag him out here. <laughs> and, and he said, he said, Roy, Jesus Christ can, can deliver you from the bondage that you are in tonight, right now. Do you want to accept him as your Lord and Savior? And I was like, of course. And so anyway, the, long story short, all three of us ended up getting saved that night, completely transformed. We went back to high school. Nobody recognized this. They're like, you are not the people that were into all of these really bad things. What in the world happened to you? We ended up making a Bible study. I think half the high school came because they just wanted to hear the story of like, what happened to these people? We all knew them. I remember this one uh, she ended up becoming a very good friend of mine, and she said later, after I became a Christian, I remember she came up to me and she said, Roy, I hated you more than anybody else on the planet. You were so mean. You were terrible. I despised you. And when you became a Christian, it, it blew my mind. I had no idea how that worked. And she ended up becoming saved a few years later. And so anyway, we had a, a great chance to give our testimony and to tell everybody about the amazing work that God had done. I went to college and just kind of continued to share, you know, the gospel every chance I got and to share the testimony and the story of God working in my life. I love your story, Roy Swart. So question for you. Earlier on, you were mentioned that approximately two-thirds of kids raised in good evangelical churches Walk away from the faith. Yes. How was your parents' relationship with God when they were dragging you to the Catholic Church as a child? Great question. So I tell people that I grew up in a divided home. So my mom was a Christian. She went to Catholic Church. Uh, her story, just in 15 seconds, she grew up in an extremely small farming community in northern Washington, you know, a few hundred people in her town. Uh and the only church in that area was a Catholic church. So when she, you know, was growing up and she honestly uh, wanted to serve the Lord and give her life to God, she didn't have a choice of Catholic or Protestant or Lutheran or whatever. It was just if you got saved in that area, you went to the Catholic church. So her whole life was growing up in the Catholic church and she went faithfully. She loved God. She read the Bible. She she did everything she could to serve God. My dad, on the other hand, was completely the opposite. He, he wanted nothing to do with God, very hard-hearted towards him. And so I grew up in a divided home, and unfortunately, that that picture of my parents not being on the same page towards God absolutely left an imprint on me. And so I kind of sided with my dad about, you know, mocking my mom and say, ah, only, only weak people go to church. Only people, you know, my dad was really, really intelligent. And so he would sometimes in, in some of his non better days, you know, w would really come down on my mom and say, y you're just, you know, I'm too smart for this. And you're going there as a crutch and all, all the normal things everybody hears. And so that actually left a huge imprint on me. And, and I wanted nothing to do with God for a long time. And so when I did go to church with my mom, it was, you know, kicking and screaming. I never, I, I heard what the person was saying, but I guarded my heart and my mind and said, I don't want any of that stuff to land on me. My best friend back in New York started the altar ministry at our church. And anytime someone wanted to join the team, if they came up with a reason like, 
oh, well, I want to save people. He would have to very quickly correct them. You don't save anybody, <laughs> right? You That's might exactly pray alongside right. them, but it is Jesus Christ alone and what he Amen. has already done. Amen. That's the only way that we receive his salvation. Amen. So I think about the examples that you've talked about today, Roy. You talked about your dad being somewhat mocking of your mom's faith and how that left an impression on your young heart. Yes. But you also talked about your classmate in high school who detested you and saw (laughs) such a difference in your life that your example, going from a non-Christian to a believer, won her over. Yes. To Jesus. Yes. And then I think about that poor pastor you woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning <laughs> who was ready for you. Absolutely. Or maybe he wasn't. Absolutely. But he followed through. Absolutely. And then I think, well, what can we do as spouses, as parents, as neighbors, as churchgoers, as people bumping into others at the grocery store or at a karaoke bar to invite yeah. them to join us at church? Yeah. What can we do to be the good example versus being the bad one. What practical steps would you suggest? I mean, obviously, the ambassador's forum is one way because it's giving people a solid foundation to be able to debate the things that this world throws at them. Yes. I'll give my answer and then I'll give a story from my dad's life to to illustrate it. My answer is, you said, what can we do as parents? Be ready to engage with your kids wherever they are. The example I'll give is after I became a Christian and I was just on fire for God all the time. My dad and I had had a very good relationship. We both loved cars and so we actually rebuilt engines together and and just he watched me play all in my soccer games. So we had a very very close relationship. When when I became an absolute on fire Christian, it 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 bothered him. And so I remember there was one night we're at the kitchen table and he said, Roy, you know, I don't mind if you want to become a Christian. Okay. You can go to church with your mom. You know, she goes every week, but she only goes once a week. You're starting to go two, three times a week. And all you ever do is read the Bible. All you ever talk about is Jesus. He's like, you're in a cult or something. This is ridiculous. If you kind of want to have a little bit of God in your life, that's fine. But, but this is, you've taken this too far. And so I'm sitting here listening and he gets to his final point. He said, you have a choice. He said, you can either give up on this fanatic religious version of, of Christianity that you've fallen into, or you can get out of my house. And I said, well, and I said, Dad, I love you. I'll always love you. But after what God has done for me, I can never turn my back on him. So if that means I got to get out of the house, I'll get out of the house. And so I went downstairs, packed my bags, was walking out the door, and he kind of caught me by the shoulder and said, all right, you can stay. (laughs) And then what happened happened after that is the part I want to focus on. My dad was now open to, there was something going on in my life and in my heart, and he wanted to know more. And so he and I started talking. I started reading the Bible to him. I started praying for him. Long story short, a couple of years later, my dad got saved because of the change that he saw in my life. I believe it was two things. One, he saw a change in my life that he couldn't explain. And two, he saw a conviction and a courage to stand up for my faith that was undeniable. If I would have just caved and said, oh, yeah, you're right, Dad. It's kind of a fad thing. No problem. I'll give it up. Then he would have said, eh, that's not that impressive. But the fact that I was willing to leave my house and leave you know, th- this close relationship with my dad because I was so committed to Christ, that made an impact on him. So I would say, Wherever your kids are, engage with them there. If they, if you see something great in their life, follow up with them. If you see them, you know, God working in their life, find out more about that and be open to God working in your heart through your kids. Great wisdom and advice from Roy Swart, MIT-trained engineer, and he's also the host of the Ambassadors Forum every Saturday morning at 9.30 on True Talk at 100 AM and 106.3 FM. And Roy, would you like to give one more elevator pitch about your fall apologetics conference? 
Yeah, so if you are a Christian who either has your own questions or people are asking you questions about your faith, you need to go to this conference. Apologetics is equipping Christians to better know their own faith and better defend that faith to their friends and family. And so the conference is Friday, October 8th, starting at 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., and Saturday, October 9th, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. You can register at theambassadorsforum.com, theambassadorsforum.com. It's totally virtual this year and totally free. So sign up, and I guarantee you, you will be blessed. Rory, thanks so much for spending time out of your busy schedule to share, not only through your radio ministry of the Ambassadors Forum, but through this wonderful conference, completely free and completely online this year. And I'll leave up all the pertinent links on the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. So on our way out, Roy Swart, is there anyone you want to say hi to or send a shout out to? <laughs> yeah, so of course, my wife, Holly, and uh, my kids, Jackie, Stephen, Marianne, Ruthie, Caleb, Katie Marie, and Ellie. You guys know that your earthly Abba loves you, and you know that your heavenly Abba loves you even more. I'm sure that they do. Fall Apologetics Conference 2021, tethered to the truth from the Ambassadors Forum. All the details at theambassadorsforum.com. And thank you so much for listening to Difference Makers. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.